Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. As we enter into the session of questions and answers, we ask you for wisdom. May you give us what you have on your mind about each and every question. For you know all that disturbs our minds. Granted, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. You may be seated. Uh, we are going to answer as many as we can in two hours and two hours only. I'm going to take one hour and then Pastor Gwandaro will take another hour. Mine is already gone by three minutes. There are many questions here but uh, those which will remain shall be forwarded to tomorrow. So I begin with the first says, God bless you, Pastor. My question, where does uh, a Christian go after here? If she or he dies without the Holy Ghost. Then uh, the question number two, how can I know that someone is a, is a serpent seed? Now, uh, some questions are very, we shall give them short answers to avoid taking very long because you'll find that every question may take a whole uh, service if, if it is given if we want to exhaust it a lot but you find that a short answer can still do so uh, the question of this person the first one we know there will be the first resurrection and the second resurrection those who are filled with the Holy Spirit come in the first resurrection which is the rapture then the second resurrection they will resurrect to, on the judgment Today, and they'll go through judgment. And then there will be those who will be seated on the right hand side of Jesus and those on the right, left. And them, Enter into the joys of the, your Father that are prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was naked, you closed me. I was a stranger. They took me in. I was, I was in prison. You visited me. They did good deeds to him to, by doing them to Christians, to his disciples. Now, in other words, when a person who will come in the second resurrection, when he dies, where does he go? Those who, in other, in other words, those who go in the first resurrection, first resurrection, it's clear they go to the sixth uh, dimension. Uh, that is the the people. I mean, the, the beyond the curtain of time in the presence of the Lord but in the sixth dimension and it's a glorious place they are there in their theophany bodies while the mortal these bodies are in the ground in the dust. but they are, they, when they are dying they get their theophany bodies 
They go into a glorious place called the, uh, the sixth dimension. And that uh, Brother Branham went there. We know the story. How he came out of the flesh. Okay, he used to say that uh, he, he, never he, he never wanted to die. Because you die, you become a spirit. And to him, the spirit meant just you are like a smoke. Or like a, a little cloud. And you see a little cloud, you say, that is a spirit of brother so and so. And you also hear like a little cloud. He said he, he, he hated to become that. Which uh, that was not the true picture. So God, God wanted to show him the true picture of what is there. So one morning as he was thinking about that, uh, the spirit, the, the, a voice spoke, spoke to him. Would you like to see beyond the curtain of time? He said, Yes, Lord. That will do, that will do me a lot of good. Then immediately, he found himself out of the body. He was somewhere up, not very far, but at the level like of a ceiling of a house. And he, he could sit down and see his old body laying on the bed with the wrinkles and whatever. Old as it was. And here he was a youth and there he was old. Then all of a sudden he saw a big open field so beautiful and multitudes of saints putting on robes, beautiful women, handsome young men, they came running to him, blessing our precious brother. And they were tapping one another. Oh, imagine he's here. And they were screaming and happy and embracing him. Okay, it's a long vision, long story. He said it was more than a vision. He said he had seen many visions, but there was never like one, one like that. This was like literally coming out of the body. And uh, so they told him everything. You know, here we don't eat, we don't drink, we don't, we don't sleep, we don't need it, we don't get hungry, we don't get hungry. But one day we shall go back on earth, we shall pick our bodies, and there we shall be able to eat and to drink. So, uh, and one day Jesus Christ will come. You will introduce us to Christ. You will introduce us to Christ. And you will be judged according to what you preach. And, and ask them, will, will Paul also be judged? He said, they said yes. Every leader. He said, when, if Paul's people will go through, mine will go through because I have preached the same gospel that Paul preached. And those multitudes screamed in unison. We are resting on that. Resting on that. So that's where the saints go. But now the question here, this person, why is asking like this? I've heard many people ask me like this. They are wondering that person who dies without the Holy Ghost does he go to the same place or where does he go? Because he will not be in the first resurrection. Now, those who die lost without salvation who are not saved they, also, they have also a place they go. It's called uh, the, 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 it's the fifth dimension. It's the region. It's called the region of the lost. It's called the prison. 
Souls that are in prison. Brother Branham visited it also. At the age of 14, when he was still a young man. He, he kind of passed out. He died. His friend, his friend shot him accidentally. And he was taken to the hospital. The hospital tried their best. They could not save him. He died. And he went there. So, but then reaching there, a horrible place, he said. He said, talk of a burning hell. People talk of a burning hell. He said, if it was a burning place with fire, it would be leisure in comparison to the to that place. I mean, if they put you into a furnace of fire and burn you compared to the affliction that is there, this burning furnace of fire would be pleasure. I mean, it would be pleasure. It would be leisure, I mean. So, he said there are no words in any language to describe that place. The agony, the pain that is in that place. The anguish that is in that place. And he says there is no place so, language or soul that can describe the sweetness, the goodness in the region of the blessed. So now, someone who dies without the Holy Spirit, okay, also he was asked, if he was asked another place if somebody is a Christian he has accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior and he is a real Christian he dies without the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, is he lost? he said no he will come in the second resurrection so the question is where does he go? Since he will not go to the region of the lost. And now the other people also. There is no place anywhere else. There is no third place. Where does such a person go? So I believe. He goes to the region of the blessed. They are in the same place. But when the resurrection. The rapture takes place. I believe those with the Holy Ghost will come out and leave the others there. Yeah. They leave the others there without the Holy Ghost. And those also, also will come out when their time come after 1,000 years through the second resurrection. In the first resurrection, it is the, the power that of resurrection that is in you that will bring you out. In the first resurrection, it's like a magnet. If you bury some metal, uh, magnetic material down here in the, in the rubble or, or in the sawdust, and someone passes a strong magnet on top, it will jump out because it has what is attracted to this one. But again, there could be another material there that is not a magnetic material that you can dig out. The other one comes out by, by itself because of the material that is in it, the magnetic power that is in it. But the other one can also come out by digging it out. 
So in the rapture, only those who have the Holy Spirit is the magnetic power that will connect them to Jesus. They come out. But the rest will remain there. But in the second resurrection, it will be different. They'll be dug out. By example, following the example that I've given. I'm not yeah. saying they will be dug out, really. That Jesus will come with a, with a spade and dig them out. But I mean, he will use another means to get them out. Because even the sinners will come out. So that's how I can answer it. How can I know that someone is a serpent seed? Uh, by their works. The Bible says they shall be known. Jesus looked at the people of his day. The religious people. However much he would show the signs that come from God. However much he spoke the pure word of God. They could, they could not condemn him of any unbelief. They could not condemn him of any wrong teaching. But still they refused to accept him. And instead sought to kill him. Because he stood and said, Many good works I've done from my father. Which of those causes me to be stoned? They could not point one finger. He said, who can condemn me of sin? That is unbelief. Which scripture am I not in agreement with? No one could condemn him. Nicodemus himself came and reported them. He said, we know he was one of them he was a fellow leader with them of the religion of the religion of that day so he comes and says we know he did not say I know he said we know you are a teacher come from God for no man can perform these good works if God is not with him. So if they knew he's a teacher come from God, where, why they, why were they, they planning to kill him? No matter how much they claim to be seed of Abraham. He said, you are of, if you were the children of, his, of Abraham, you would do his works. But you are children of the devil. And the, la the works of your father. The last of the, your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And a liar. And her body, he abode not in the truth. So the same way Jesus Christ. Diagonized them and so they were serpent seed. It's the same way you can know someone is a serpent seed. Is that alright? And how do you know one is an elect? You give him the word. You see how he responds to the word. You know this is a seed of God. You can tell who is the seed of God. And then another one, you give him the word. He rejects it. And it's very clear that he rejects it. And he's angry against the word. Then you know he's a serpent seed. Uh, then another one says, God bless you, Pastor. At which year uh, can I, can one be allowed to have a phone or to own a phone? 
Another was at what age? This one feels like he wants to own a phone. He's like, when am I reaching that age? It's like his or her parents are refusing her from having a phone or him. Uh, a phone has a good side and a bad side. So, uh, which, which age? At the age when you have a good use for it, yeah, you have a real good reason, a good use for it. And you can control it. Not when it can control you. There is no particular age I can say. But when you are mature enough, physically and spiritually to control it, to use it properly. So if your parent, ja, parent judge you as you're not yet ready to possess one, you accept his judgment. Time will come. There is time for everything under the earth. When you can have it, and you, even your parents will want you to have one. Because you can, they need to, they need you to use it for the right purpose. And always whether young or old, we must uh, know that the phone has the bad part. It can take you to hell. Although it is useful, but there are many people whom it will take to hell. And there are many people who are living a contrary life. All a life of backsliding, a life of sin. Uh, because of phones. Who will answer before God for the crimes and the sins they have committed using the phones? You'll, you'll answer before God the way you use that phone. It can be a channel of Satan to destroy you. One, the things that come on that phone that are filthy that are come direct from hell. It's a snare of Satan to destroy your soul. And two, the time you spend on the phone than reading the word of God. It's like God told Brother Branham not to have a television. When you look at the evils of a television and the evils of the smartphones especially, the TV can even be better. But only that with a phone, you are the one who decides to open the wrong side or not to. 
So we must be very careful the way we use the phones, young and old. Now, if the young, old people are finding it difficult, they are struggling to overcome the temptation. Surely, the young people, the young children, they are in a worse position to use phones. So if your parents feel no, you shouldn't have it at this age, they, are, they have a right reason. Uh, they are protecting you with a right, with a right reason. Uh, what if, uh, this is another question now, what if it happens that a sister is older than a brother, can they still get married? Uh, a sister being older, can they be married? There is no doctrine that says that they cannot. Yeah. They can be married. But it depends on how on the on how old, how the range. It just depends on that. By example, by experience, I've seen two cases where a brother married a wife who was a sister who was 10 years older. Brother, I was a sister there are two cases I've seen in Kampala here. But both, those, both marriages never worked out. It all failed. So although there is no doctrine that says it is wrong but if the sister is much older, it may not work out. But if it is she's slightly older, it may work out. If all other uh, factors a blending. So, so I'll note that maybe she should be here by these years. But at least when they are in the same age bracket and maybe she's slightly older than him. But if it be that the brother is higher in age, that one has no problem. But if it be that the sister is really older by 10 years, as the other extreme that I've showed you, it really doesn't work. By that you need your pastor to advise you. It's because sometimes you don't want to be advised. But because one of them, a one of those ones actually was in my church, I really advised them and they refused. And he said that he really loves her and to him age was not an issue. He insisted. Because, because I didn't have any word that would really me. against the advice. I gave them a go ahead because they refused my advice. But still it didn't work. Therefore, your pastor has to advise you. But uh, like for me, that's what I can tell you. That it depends 
how older she is. Uh -huh. Then another one says, can a sister be an interpreter in church? Or can a sister be a song leader in church? The very reason why we don't see them song leading in our churches it is self-explanatory that is the answer is no. You see the Bible does not only say for a woman not to teach. But it says no to assert authority over the man. So there is no way you can be a song leader and you don't assert authority. Just telling people stand. You have a subtle authority. Just by telling clap. Jump for Jesus. Shout for Jesus. You are sapping authority. You are, um, you are sapping authority over men. Imagine my wife. To tell me you stand up. Hey, jump. Jump for Jesus. She's a sapping authority. So a woman for that reason cannot be a song leader. But for interpretation, if there is no alternative, she can do it. Only the, when these questions come, it's not very, there are so many we cannot go into the quotes. And, but Brother Branham in Finland, Finland, he was having a female translator. I think she was called Mrs. Isakasson. Isaacson. Isaacson. Something like that. Yeah. So in, an, uh, in a situation Mumbera, where there is no uh, alternative, she can interpret. Because interpreting, you are not speaking your own words. You are just a uh, microphone uh, uh, repeating what the, one, the, the other one is saying. It's like prophesying and teaching. Prophesying, it is not you teaching, it's not you preaching. It's not you saying. You are just. So that's why a woman can prophesy. But she cannot teach. She cannot preach. The two are different. Well, it is thus says the Lord. And the spirit takes over your tongue and speaks things that you don't know even. You have nothing to do, to, to do about. It's not from your in understanding. It's not you then. But teaching and preaching is different. So, uh, then another one. God bless you, Pastor. Is it okay for uh, a searching brother brother to date a girl who is still in school for more than a year? How can this be done without falling? Now, this is a good question. And uh, uh, it's a real challenge. Uh, what I can say here, if, some, if a girl is in college, or at the university, and uh, that is about, she's about to complete, like you have said for about a year personally I can okay it 
But if someone is in the lower classes, secondary, I cannot uh, advise that. I cannot allow that as a pastor. This person has a long way to go. So it's wrong to start it that early. And you, you even disorganize their concentration in their studies. That is a person that is not yet ready. You better not even express any interest. And no parent can accept that. No parent can be happy with you. Trying to approach their daughter who is in high school. For marriage. You are distracting them. So there are all reasons why it is wrong when someone is still in the lower classes. But if it is the way you have put it, someone is in the university, university. she has one year to complete. Personal, I can uh, permit you to start a relationship. Uh-huh. Uh, then another one says, God bless yeah, you, Pastor. Is it okay for a sister to plait long colored hair and smear lip balm on their lips? Uh, plating hair, I can tell you what uh, the word says. Generally on plating hair. Uh, Brother Branham was asked that question. Brother Branham Maybe this one it's good I read it. Yeah, it's good. I've got it quickly. Uh, he was asked, Bambuza. Dear Brother Branham, Branham, does this first Timothy 2.9 mean a woman cannot braid her hair? Does braid Hair mean braided hair. Now look, sister. I'm, now sister. This, I'm glad that that followed this. And the question that it followed was also on hair. Uh, it was saying, is it, is it wrong for me? To run a beauty shop. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a beautician and don't believe in Christian cutting her hair, but I cut others and I guess uh, then it's tint. That means the color, I guess, isn't it? Color also, and color also. Say, sister dear, I wouldn't know what sister, to tell you. Listen, I, can say, I can't say for women about that. 
Putting color in their hair. They have no scripture, scripture against that. They can only stay with the scripture. The scripture don't say for them not to do that. The scripture says she must have long hair. And after that, I don't know where to go. See, I don't know nothing about that. Uh, then he continues. It's a long question. Mm, uh, it's a long answer he gave. And then continues, continues. Then finally, another question came. So he, he talked long. On that question, said, but sister, about the hair color or something like that. I don't know. I can't back that up with the scripture. That's just up to you. You see, uh, you, if uh, you want to do it, that's perfectly all right with me. As far as I know, the church has no such custom. Anything that's not in the Bible, that's up to you. You see? But I will just give you my advice. You, you and as far as I would know, uh, it's just the nature of a woman to want to look pretty. She's supposed to be that one. You know, in every life, there is the male, is the prettiest, but the human race. So he continues to, to compare different animals. And then he shows how uh, the woman for the desire of beauty, uh, for beauty she was designed that way for the fall. Uh, down here on page, uh, paragraph 172, he says, Satan was the most beautiful angel. He was the cherubim that overshadowed. Look how different the woman is getting now to what they used to be. How many remembers Paul, reading of Paul Brian? Let's see your hands, some of you older people. And then he continues to show how they are becoming more and more beautiful just for because of the fall. Be, be, to bring uh, the world in a uh, condition where it is ripe for judgment. Then after it all comes this question. So in many places Brother Branham would answer such questions like that. As far as the scripture is concerned there is no scripture that tells her not to do it. But as you have heard him say, let me give my advice. So, it cannot be backed by the scriptures that a woman cannot plate colored plates. But when you, you read here and there to strike a balance, Brother Branham said in another place, Brother, a woman who has too much artificial, it shows how much artificial is in her heart. And then he said, uh, uh, in another place he said, it's, uh, if nature has denied you something, you can have an artificial but that looks exactly like the natural. If you lost a tooth, you can have a false tooth. But much closer to the natural tooth. You are impersonating God. Something that would have been there naturally. But if you try things that don't look like 
what God made in the very first place. There is something wrong there. If you lost a tooth and you go buy a glittering golden tooth, the human being was not made like that. Have you ever seen a human being with golden teeth? So even hair is like that. If you want to plait your hair, or you have short hair, you wanted to add, it should be as close, as natural as possible. Until one would be, it would be hard even to know whether it is your hair or not. But you don't find a human being with hair that looks like this. But women are wearing these kind of things. And you see a woman has put on red, red things on her head. She looks like a coke on the head. But there is no human being that God ever made like that. So what are you looking for? You must appreciate God. God is wisdom. And God is art. He's perfect. He's perfect. So if nature has denied you you look for something that looks like I'm imagining if I didn't have an ear say, say something cut off my ear an unconverted Peter cut off my ear and now I'm here without an, an ear. I know I would look awkward. Every person who looks at me wonders. So, I would look for, for one that is made. Artificially. But, I will look for one which looks exactly like, like the other ear. So that when I put it on, one will not, not know that it is artificial. You will think it is the one I'm born with. Now, in that mind, that's how you can add even hair. If you have long hair, for plating, sick or whatever. Or as a wig. With the many areas that I have read. Brother Branham balancing those things. I believe that's the right balance. But not wanting to look an artificial creature. And you see people today wearing false nails and you pity them. Now when I look at you should I appreciate you, your beauty or God is art or I should appreciate the Chinese who made those nails. And tomorrow I find with another shape of nails. This is what is on the market. And everyone is buying that. Really? It is lack of uh, even wisdom. Because that's not you. So I can't appreciate what is not yours. What is man-made. It's okay for a sister to play to 
long colored and smelly bam. Now let me finish also this. I will not go deeper. I mean longer in this where he said, I'm glad this follows. So he was asked, Brother Branham, does this first Timothy 2.9 mean woman cannot braid her hair? Does braid hair mean braided hair? So many people who feel, who say, who teach, who have a doctrine that sisters should not they quote First Timothy 2 9. But it's the very scripture that now Brother Branham was asked to cast light upon. Does it mean woman cannot braid her hair? He said, Now look, sister. I'm glad that followed this. I never fixed it up. I never fixed it there. But just followed that good. Notice. A braided hair in that day was a sign of a street woman. That's what she done. Braided her hair. And told to the Christians and said to the Christians now that adorning not let it be of braided or broided and braid is the same thing to braid their hair because it looked like the rest of the world now you are not supposed to look like the world or like all act like the world. See, the women are supposed to be different there. Now, now braiding hair today braided hair is pretty. It's nice. In other words, this, this word pretty now, the context of it. Braided hair is pretty. And it's a, it's a long ways from the fashion of the world. Yeah, it's a long ways. So, the question comes that we should all understand and ask, as we ask ourselves. Can a fashion be condemned today by God and tomorrow it's okay. Yes. Yeah. It depends on the spirit that God sees in that thing. Because the very place where he told them not braided hair not with braided hair he told them, he told them not with expensive Clothes. Kakati. Now. Uh, what is an expensive cloth? An expensive cloth to a woman of a peasant. Is not the expensive clothes to the wife of the president. I remember there is a time there is a certain kind of dress it used to have folds and it was called chiffon. Those days I was still a young person in the village there. And women would literally fast with their husbands if they did not buy them chiffon. To the extent they would want, they would want even to separate. Chiffon became chiffon. But today, if you wear chiffon, you look so out of fashion and a backward person. There is nothing about it. 
So in that time, where women are even separating with their husband for not buying them chiffon, chiffon, the Holy Spirit will condemn it for Christians not to be taken by chiffon spirit. But after time when it is out fashioned it's no longer an issue it, the Holy Spirit will be silent about it because the Spirit is no longer there so that's what Brother Bram is putting here in that day, braided hair was a fashion of a street woman. But today, it is pretty. And it's a long ways from the fashion of the world. Anyway, I've answered more than what you asked here. But it is good also to, I thought it is good to to clear all that area. Because here you were asked uh, to play it Long colored. Yeah. So, I think by the show, the long answer, you catch the real, the, the, the balance. How to, how to treat yourself. Yeah. And then smear lip balm on your lips. I don't know what to answer about this. Lip balm, is this, this, this Lip clear? Clear lipstick they put? Clear lipstick they put? Clear lipstick they put? Lip balm. Lip. Lip balm. Lip balm. For the lips. Hmm? It's not colored. But I'm going to say, if it's not colored, if, if it's not, just for your mouth not to look faded, if it is something that someone will see that you have colored, you have put something colored on your mouth, it is wrong. But if it's just to keep your mouth moist, moistened, it may be okay. If there is no color, See about it. And was a time young, time young ever day. I think my I'm running with a few minutes. Let me read about one question. Then I end. Uh, this is a simple one. So. God bless you, Pastor. Is it okay for brothers to get sisters? Is it okay for brothers to get sisters? One or two. And pray together at church at night. <laughs> Is it okay for brothers uh, to get sisters one or two and pray together at church at night? Ah. <laughs> uh, Although you are laughing, but personally, I don't believe there is anyone who can go to church to do wrong things there. So if 
There is a, a purpose they want to pray for jointly. And they go to church to stay in church throughout the night praying. Personally, I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. For, for example, for, for example, our church is open 24 hours. People go there to pray. So there is nothing that says if you go to church and you find there is a sister in the church and you are the brother, then you go away. Ah. The church is a house of prayer. It's a place of prayer. You'll get on the altar and pray while she's on the other side of the altar praying. I wouldn't think there is a problem. So, let me hope I've answered that. Um... Those that I maybe may not answer, as you accept, uh, expect them, them some of them I answer them as do I feel it in me. So you forgive me if I do not answer it as the way you know it or you want it. Or as you understand it. Even the ministers, I, if I've answered it in the way that you would not have answered it, you also forgive me for that. But I answer them according to the best of how I know that they ought to be. May God bless you. Oh, he says that because I'm the one who has preached this topic, I can answer it. Pastor, God bless you. The Bible says the soul that sinneth shall die. Uh, what is the role of the soul and spirit in a person? What is the role of, a of the soul and spirit in a person? Where does the spirit and soul separate when you get in your theophany? What controls a human being? The soul or the spirit in decision making. Well, my time seems to be finished. Uh, I will not say much about this question. But what I can say, uh, the soul is uh, the dimension of you where choices and decisions are made. That is the soul. Then the spirit uh, is uh, the mind in you that, uh, okay, it is, we explain it better by drawing those dimensions of a human being. The body, the Spirit and the soul. The body has five gates. The spirit has five gates. It has the spirit has memory, imaginations, uh, conscious, uh, reasoning, affections. And then inside of the inside, like uh, 
the engine of the watch that makes all other parts move to make a timing in a human being it is a soul the soul is what makes the decision Say for a temptation. This is how it moves. You see with a body. Say you are looking at, uh, at a woman. If it's a temptation in that line of. In that line. Of adultery of fornication. Or, or lust. Then you okay. see. And when you see, uh, it sends to the, to the gates of the spirit. There is imagination. There is memory. There is reason. Then now, the soul inside what it is being suggested to or to reject. The soul that sinneth, that's the soul of sinner, will open for the temptation and accept to open for it and yield, causes the entire being to yield to that temptation. But the soul of a believer, it is controlled by the word of God. He is a believer in the word of God. And that soul will say no. It is wrong. Even for me to look no. the second look, it is sin. God said this. So you close what the body is suggesting, what is coming through the spirit. You are so refuses to yield to it and believes or uh, accepts to live true to the word of God. That's a soul of a believer. So the soul that sins is the one which disbelieves God's word where it says thou shall not but because it's not a believer it's an unbeliever it will always disbelieve God's word and does control it what God says. So that gives us a general picture of what the soul, spirit and body is. Now, where, where does spirit and soul separate when you get in your theophany? Well, I don't know whether you, it separates. You separate with the body. Uh, this one I'm not sure. Because if, if it's separated, what is in the spirit? Uh, it, it, has, uh, it has memory. Memory. Like when you are in the, in the theophany, you still remember what happened when you were on earth. When the, um, uh, when the man in the story of uh, Lazarus and the rich man, he could remember. And God told him, Abraham told him, 
Remember, when you were on earth, you had every good thing. And Lazarus, only bad things. He could remember his brothers. So, he was a complete uh, unit being apart from the, the soul. I mean the, the, the body. Yeah. So, my time is up. Let Pastor Gwandaro come and answer the question, some of the questions that he has.